hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Well, Happy New Year. So, um, at every good gathering to talk about on New Year's Eve, there has to be a toast. Okay? And so I'm going to give a toast this morning. Um, you have to bear with me. I am not used to notes, and I'm still recovering from worship. <laughs> I did not cry in the shower today. I cried right here. And so I still got to deal with myself. What a powerful presence of the Lord here this morning. He's here. The music's over, and he's here. <laughs> I can see nods everywhere. Everyone's feeling that the Lord is here. So I'm excited about the things that he leads us into this morning because he showed up for it. So I want to celebrate a little bit um, this morning what the Lord has done in 2017 my list is not all inclusive. It is just out of my heart and uh, some things that he uh, stirred in me. So are you ready? All right, here we go. We had some amazing baptisms. I had the uh, opportunity to baptize my son Rowan this year. It was a beautiful and special moment. I was sure he didn't quite understand what it all meant and what was really happening. And that was okay because he's mine. In my heart, I knew that he was responding to a very tender thing that was happening in his heart toward God. And therefore, I knew the full meaning behind all that was happening in that moment, we would walk out together. Isn't that the way the Lord is with us? I felt the same way when Nadia Carter cried happy tears in my office at how free she feels. When Nicole and Ethan were baptized together, mom and son, when Addison's tender little heart filled the tank when Tyler's eyes were wide open as he experienced the tangible presence of God and felt things lift off of him. Or his mom, Susie, whose baptism makes your heart explode when you realize all the struggle that she was leaving behind her. I felt it in Carla's embrace of G3 last week and in Chad's embrace of Mary Lee. I love sitting down for a few moments with Mike Ward, hearing how similarly the Lord had wooed both of us and brought us into life. Wow. The death and burial of a life of mere good intentions and the springing up of a life that would be impossible without him. 2017, what a year. Real Life School of Supernatural Ministry was launched this year. John Barnhart came to church one morning at City Hall in a lot of pain from an accident he had the day before when he was loading some materials on his truck in the pouring rain and fell off the top of the truck, mainly on his head and shoulders. When they heard about this, Jason and Robin and some of the folk from the Real Life School of Supernatural Ministry gathered around him. They began to minister healing to him for those injuries. Before long, John began sprinting up and down the inclined floors of City Hall in a way that had not been, he's not been able to in years. 
You see, not only had God ministered to his injuries from the day before, but complete healing was released into his legs for injuries that had happened many years before that. Two sessions of 10 weeks and several graduates, but more importantly, a strong community of friends that worshiped together, prayed together, and set their hearts into the standard that the impossible is the target and the Lord is faithful. Expression Church now has a school of supernatural ministry. Thanks to our directors, Todd and Rachel, and all the dedicated staff that make that happen. By the way, Todd has a sign-up sheet right now, shameless plug, in his hands for a semester that starts in a couple of weeks. Can I talk about inheritance ceremonies and ordination ceremonies? At ECH, we believe that the ceremonial is powerful because it causes us to pause for just a moment and stand in gratitude for what God has done in a life, but also stand in expectation for what he will do. So we're thankful that little Malachi came through his operations so successfully and that Brandon stood right here after several bouts with chemo to stand on stage and bless his son Peyton with us. But we also stand in expectation of the men they will become. That's why we do that. We're so thankful that the Lord has blessed the ministers we ordained this year. With such a wealth of experience in the ministry, the leadership they've employed in churches and in businesses, the healing they've experienced in the lives of others, and the good news they've imparted to so many others. It's a message that burns in their hearts in such a way they couldn't contain it if they tried. But again, we stand in expectation of their lives dissatisfied with just past victory and will go forward into greater realms of faith and risk. And they will walk in his strength to labor into the fullness of the reason Christ laid hold of them in the first place. Amen. Worship. I love our worship together this year. Todd, you broke something, sir. I'm thankful for you this morning. Such, a be such beautifully anointed moments where the atmosphere has just been so thick and pregnant with assurance of his grace and thirst for all that he is and wants to be for ECH. A our worship together made an old, dusty CVS building feel like church. <laughs> Felt like home. Our worship together filled the vaulted stained glass ceilings of City Hall, bringing a sense of warmth and peace to that place, drawing in the caretakers of the auditorium to where they didn't miss a service. They even celebrated with us when Maxine, the manager of the auditorium, felt convinced and convicted to share that the 400,000 that was donated during our time of worshiping there was unlike anything she had seen in her many years of being there and how she was confident it was drawn there by our worship. Love worshiping with you. I'm going to say this too. We collided with the community this year. <laughs> I love being around you. This group right here that you look around, some of you may not know this, this group loves to party. <laughs> I 
I heard a quote one time that said, uh, by Robert Hodgkin. It says, Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties, banquets, feasts, and merriment. We ought to give ourselves over to joy because we've been liberated from the fear of life and the fear of death. We ought to attract people to church quite literally by the fun there is being a Christian. Thank you for taking this quote so literally. People are drawn to you. Is it not unbelievable that in the midst of a major building project that somehow we were all down at Corbin Park hosting what felt like the entire Westmoreland community in an Easter egg hunt? We were praying for multiplication of Pam Tuff's little toy store she and her mom so graciously had made for prizes for the kids. The expression summer parties, what gracious host you were. Some of the parties were 50 to 70 of us showing up at your door, ready to fellowship, ready to play can jam, and ready to eat. What a great success our Camp Out VBS was this fall, and what a great time we had at our homecoming weekend and building dedication. But the greatest part of all was you. It will always be you. The hope this community and region has for a truly glorious experience, Christ in you. Happy New Year. So give me 2018. There's a story in the Bible where Moses sent out 12 spies. If you've heard the old little kid song, 10 were bad, two were good. But there was a young man among them because if you remember the first time he sent them out, they came back and they brought back these great things. But yet they were still afraid. And I begin to read into this even more. There was a young man among them named Caleb. And Caleb, it doesn't say this in scripture, it says this is an old Jewish Torah. It said that whenever they went and they were looking over the land and they saw how good it was, but they were so afraid of the giants and they were so afraid of all the things that they were looking at, they actually said amongst each other and said, hey, let's not take back anything because we don't want everybody to see how good it is because then they might want to come this way. And Caleb drew his sword on his own brothers and said, We're taking this back because we have to have the most perfect representation of what this place really is for us. And I will fight you to make sure that the representation is true. We're taking the grapes because I want them to see how good it really is. And I will fight you for that. And then throughout the history, you know that they again wondered, but then suddenly a new leader came on board. It was Joshua and they took the land and then years and years and years went by. And I love the story in Joshua 14. When Caleb comes up and says, Hey, it's time for us to divvy up the inheritance. 
I was there when I was 40 years old going into the land and I saw the good of the land and I fought for the representation that it was that good. Now here I stand at 85 years old and I've been through so many things. I've been through all of the deaths. I've been through all of the wars, but I am just as strong today as I was whenever he first spoke to me then. And what I heard God say in the light, I've trusted through all the way through the dark periods. So now even at my 85 years old, I say, give me that mountain. That's my inheritance. That's what I want. That is what my family was promised. And you know what? I know it's a hilly country. I know that there are giants in that, but God told me I'd drive them out. God told me a long time ago that that mountain is mine. So I don't care what the hesitation might be. I don't care what the giants might look like because I have been given the strength to drive them out. So give me that mountain. So today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart for us is give me 2018. I know I've been through a lot this year. I've seen joy. I've seen heartache. I've cried. I've prayed. I've celebrated. I've seen so many things this year, and it's been amazing. But that is just the starting point. Give me 2018. Because there's a word that keeps ringing in my ear today for us, and that is audacity. It's a complete disregard for normal restraint. We have the audacity to march forward into something that is completely unknown with ownership. That no, I don't even care. It's not about what could be before me and what what might happen or all the giants and all the things. No, no, no. 2018 is mine. It's already mine. He gave it to me and I have the audacity to not be restrained and walk in it. So Expression Church... We have the audacity and the tenacity to go after it. But I'm not consistent in the things I do. It's okay. He brings the consistency to our lives. Well, I don't want another false start. I don't want to hit another reset button to where I've done this before. I've done this so many times and I keep doing the same thing and I end up here. Have the audacity to say, It's still mine. Today's a new day. 2018's a new year. I'm thankful for where we have been. I'm thankful for every single square foot of this building. I'm thankful for it. But today, I am thankful for the mountain that sits before us. I'm thankful for the giants that are in the mountain. I am thankful for the people that are in that mountain because they've been given to us as an inheritance. They have been given, they're building things. And the thing is this is, it's not about we're gonna war and take back. No, 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 it's already ours. It's been given to us as an inheritance. 2018 should not scare us. If anything, it should be the fuel that gets us up in the morning and says, let's go, let's do this. Because I have the audacity to know that he will be there just as he's been in here. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kevin.
Oh my goodness. After that, all that, I don't know if I even need to say anything. I could just do a benediction and be finished, couldn't I? It's all good. Happy New Year. We typically would have an evening service or something like that, but aren't you glad you're doing it today? You get all evening to spend with your family and your friends, invite people to your house, or ask somebody if you can come to theirs. <laughs> invite yourself. Enjoy, enjoy the evening. Hey, I do have to say this, though, before I get started. Tomorrow is my wife, Lisa's birthday. Lisa, would you stand up? You all can ask her her age, and she can work out her own salvation with fear and trembling. If I would have said it, I'd had to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But no, happy birthday. We'll have been married, we'll have be married 30 years in June. And the girls have all been reminding me of that today, which is good. So we're excited about that. Um, so happy new year. Gosh, where do I start? I guess at the beginning, right? 45 the congregation, the assembly of people here, 45 real estate transaction purchases have been made by congregation members in 2017. Wow. That means 45 pieces of property in this region have been purchased by people inside this house. Isn't that good to know? Yes. We've got some we need to sell, and we're praying for those too. 32 new jobs were created by people that either own businesses or manage businesses here inside this place. Many businesses experienced as much as 40 to 50% increase over 2016. We did two weddings and we didn't even move into August. We had a homegoing service. We've seen several saved, baptized many. Pastor Ronnie was saying. Next year, we want to see all those numbers increase, practical goals. We want a new expression worship CD to be released next year. Can I get an amen about that? Several individual projects are being done right now for 2018. I guess we want more weddings, more birthdays, more showers. More events. More baby dedications and inheritance service. We got some people that are pregnant. We've been seeing them. They're walking around. And the longer it goes, you'll be able to tell them too. Some are hidden still. I know about them. You'll see them soon. You know who you are. But here's the deal. I've been waiting for a month or two to preach this message. This isn't like New Year's resolutions. 95% of New Year's resolutions quit about the January 15th, 16th, or 17th. You make them and you do them for about two weeks. Life hits you. Something changes off course. Before you know it, you do something different. 
And then you, gosh, it's been two or three days now since I did that, and then it becomes long, and then by the next time it's March, and you're approaching Easter. Next thing you know, it's summertime, and you got vacation. And before you know it, it's once you hit fall again, you just might as well wait till the first of next year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's not like what I'm talking about today. It's different this time. I'm gonna show you a story in the Bible that is similar to what we are experiencing in the world today, but you have to see yourself different. You have been saved and left, preserved and kept for a moment like you're living in right now. That has to become a reality to you. There's many words that have been given to us over the last couple of weeks from people that have prophetic words. One was given to me this past week, it says, and it's after 12 o'clock, so I can read this. It says, I've given you direction, and you have followed it. Things can change the flow, but it won't change the direction. I've given you visions, and you've shared them. I've sent you messengers, and you've heard them. I've sent you ministers, and you used them. This, this stop will be your hub for all your works as the center of a hub for us. And 12 spokes will come out of this hub and go to and fro into the community to do my work. You have all the talent, use them for his glory. Now we've, had ten, we've been in 10 different spaces and we've made 12 different moves. Those are spokes to me if you ask me, right? I'm going to read these to you. I got a little bit of time here. This one says, what I'm hearing for 2018 is to invest money and time. She says, there are financial wizards and financial illiterates living in the same household. There must be an exchange of knowledge that there could be a corporate expression of wealth within the community. Those who have the knowledge must be willing to share their education, skills, and talents so the bigger plan can be made manifest and there will be truly meat in the house of the Lord, 2018. Infinite love, infinite supply, infinite energy, and infinite time, she said. Another one says diligence. Diligence in our forgiveness, diligence in our prayer, diligence in our, our seeking the Lord, diligence in all that we do. That word diligence just keeps coming back. The one that says, the, one says the word's gonna be opening up, the, the doors are gonna be opening up like you've never seen the doors open up before. Here's two things that happened to me in the last 30 or 45 days. I shared with you before, but it goes with where I'm headed today. It says, the Lord, let me give you this one first. This one came in order. I was walking through my living room. The Lord came all over me, spoke to me and said, get up and get aggressive. I've called many great men and women to be portals or open portals in the city, in this region, and they've done well in their assignment. But I've called you all, not only as a portal, but as an establishment. Portals open and close, but establishments overthrow old and set up new for longevity. He said, we are the reason the drug culture in this area has not been improving. He said, the city leaders are at a loss, but you guys are not. He said, haven't you heard? You haven't failed enough. I want you to heal and deliver as your default, but you don't risk enough to fail. He said, I recreate or recreation, have fun, just outside of your limitations. 
I need you to live more outside of your limitations than you do now. He said, come out and play with me. I enjoy inside your comfort zone, but come out and enjoy my comfort zone. Then a few weeks later, and I'm not one of these people that have these kind of things all the time, so I kind of take it as a privilege. He said, come outside the comfort zone, and he says, I was jumping on a trampoline. He was jumping on a trampoline. I had a vision of the Lord jumping, jumping on a trampoline, and he was jumping so high it took my breath. He started laughing and said, jump on. I was scared uh, too, but I did it. He jumped in perfect timing with me as we were up at a high peak. He showed me the things I've never seen, but I was scared to death. It was so high, and some of the jumps took my breath. One in particular he pointed out, and we were high above a bank, and he, and, and he said, your faith got you inside the banks, but my faith will take you over the bank. Then the same thing he told me with the courthouse and the hospital and other institutions in the city. And then he began to laugh, and I started laughing with him, even though I was scared to death. The thought came intrigued, became intrigued to me, and he said, I need, you to be, I need you to be practical, but I also need you living by faith. I need you to come out where I'm at. There's a a realm, a dimension, a place, an atmosphere, an environment, a zone, call it what you want, that the Lord is calling each one of us and inviting each one of us to live in. It's a place your heart desires, and at times you've trickled in it, but it's not been a place that you've been established in. You've flowed in it for a while, but we always resort back to our normalcy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, you hear for a moment and you have this euphoric occasion and, and it's, a, it's a special moment, but it doesn't ever become a place of established lifestyle where it's normal and it becomes your new benchmark and the new terrain of your life. What it does, it brings us to a place where we cherish it even more because we have to come back and live in what, we, what was our ordinary lifestyle, even though we're desiring to go to that next place because we once tasted of it. So here's what he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. The challenge with tasting and seeing the Lord is good, once you've tasted and seen and you know the Lord is good, you crave that new atmosphere. Nothing else will satisfy your life. Nothing. It, it, it's, 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 you want it to be sustainable and established. And the church for a long time has, has gone in and we go out. We go in and we go out. But the majority of our life is out trying to get back in because we've tasted enough of that to know that the Lord is good. But he's desiring for us to live and raise the level of our lifestyle. And what we do is we equate our lifestyle with money. That's what the world does. How much you have. What's your substance? What's your materialism? What's all? That's not what I'm talking about. There's three facets of your life that are gonna cause you the most heartache, headache, but also give you the most joy in return. There's three. It is finances, it is relationships, and it's your health and your body. There are other things you can put in the, the, the pecking order, but those three are gonna be your primaries. Can I get an amen? amen? It's your relationships with him, it's relationships with people. It's what's good in your life in relationships, what's not so good in your life. It's your financial health and well-being of your, of your uh, of economics, your treasures, 
you know, us as preachers and church people, we call it, kind of use these Christian terms a lot, and we use the word tithe and offering and all. But I'm talking about a currency and a lifestyle that is that leaves an inheritance to your children's children. And, and it's okay to have those things. It's not okay to seek those things. It's okay to have those things. He says, seek the first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. Right? And then of course it's the health in your body. It's not gonna be good enough anymore to do will, use willpower. This isn't new age. It's not mind over matter. It isn't for resets and restarts. It's just not where it is anymore. See, we get people fired up year after year and I'm excited about 2018, but I'm excited about the next 10 years. I'm excited about the turn and the curve that the Lord has turned the body of Christ into. We've made a pivot. The whole body of Christ, we've made a pivot, we've made a turn. There are some things that have happened in our 17 and 16 and 15 and 14 and 13 years, last four, five, six, eight years, 10 years, that have been struggles for us. They've, they've caused us some pains and some hurts. And what it's done, over the last decade, we have been in a place of pressing and pressing in our warfare and our pressing in and our pressing in, and we push and we push and we push, but we've lost sight of really what it is God really has for us because we've gotten used to the battle spiritually, not even realizing that's what we're doing. So we become weary and church attendance and involvement. And let's just be honest, several years ago, there were people that just gave and tithe and served in the body. And for whatever reason, it got us to a certain place, but we couldn't sustain the next place. And everybody just began to just wear out, just wore down. Before you know it, things were going, man, I'm just happy to be, have a family. I'm just, just gonna stay home and just be my, do my Christian thing right here in my house. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I have. I have. I know what it's like to be baptized in it in church service so much that you can't breathe outside of it. And I also know what it's like to get a reprieve and enjoy the reprieve so much that you almost don't need that over there anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And we've done that for the last decade. We've gone in and we've gone out. We've gone in and we've gone out. All the while, everything that we've gone through, God has been preparing us. But not only is he preparing his body, his us, his people, his church, he's also allowed the system of the world to just climax to a place where something has to change. Because the world system begins to taunt you. You got a great business idea, you can't get a bank loan. You want to buy a house and you're in a position to buy a house, now you can't get financing because you don't have the down payment. So regulations and all these different things begin to tighten up so and squeeze you so tight that you just have to sit here and learn to manage within the restrictions of your life. All the while, what you really didn't realize was happening in the last decade was there was a churning on the inside of you and a churning on the inside of the body of Christ that says, I'm not gonna stay here long. I'm beginning to get restless and I wanna bust out of the ch shackles and the chains that have been holding me back. But we're smart enough and mature enough today 
that we're not gonna reinvent the way we've always done it because we know what we always did will only get us to what we already had. And what we, already, what we did to get us what we had will bring us to a place of limitations again. So the Lord has begun to move on people and he's moved you around, he's, 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 he's shaken you, he's changed you and, he, and he's matured you and he's put priorities in place. And all the while he's doing that, something on the inside of you is crying out and screaming out, going, I am ready to not be a victim of my surroundings and circumstances. I'm ready to create. I'm ready to procreate. I'm ready to build. I'm ready to build some things and get some my dreams again to where I'm ready to create some things that are not seen but I know that they're available because I see them in my heart. And the Lord begins to move on you and show you some things. And what used to bother you five years ago doesn't bother you today. What used to bother you a year ago, uh, what restrictions you used to run into, they don't, they don't bother you now. Because now there's just a group of people in the world, and I believe they're us, that are just not willing to take no for an answer. Can I get an Amen. It's not a matter of, I've prayed, it didn't work, thank you, Lord, I'll move over here. Now it's at a place where, no, it's gotta work. Something has to change. And I'm not willing just to keep pushing and pushing my willpower and then falling away after about two or three or four weeks, getting a breath of fresh air and then starting back over again. I'm looking for something that doesn't cause me to push I need something that's out there that I see in my heart and see in the spirit that begins to pull me. See, when, when, when I'm pushing, I'm forcing. When I'm being pulled, I'm drawn. One is hard, the other one is you don't have a choice. Because once you conceive something that's pulling you in the spirit, but yet not has not materialized in the, in the realm that we live in, it's got more of you than you have of it. And once it's conceived, and what you don't know is we're in a season of creating and recreating in his realm. We've managed our own, but now it's time to manage in his. So here's some things we gotta do away with. The Bible doesn't talk about, I, I should do this. I should do that. I should do this. I, I, I should do that. You've gotta change your vocabulary when you're creating from a push to a pull. A push says I should, a pull says I must. When you say you're should, you should do something, you're not really attached to it. It's not a part of you because it's an option. But when you say I must, Eve said we shall not or should not eat of that tree or sh should not touch it. But Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. I must go to Jerusalem. I must needs go to that city. 
I must talk to them. I must, I must, I must. When your must is tied to your pull, you won't be pushing and you won't have an option. Because it's not a matter of it being too hard for you. Because when it's too hard, the option becomes, I'm weary, I'm tired. This is not the way it works. Times have changed. What's your pull? What's your vision? See, it can't be, I need to lose 20 pounds. Because I should lose 20 pounds. Or 40 pounds, or five pounds, or whatever your number is. But if it's only about what you should do, it's what's taken away from you. That's a push. But if it's, I want to get down to my training weight, or I want to be able to play that basketball game again, all of a sudden now I've got a vision that pulls me, not just action that I have to push through. And as long as you're pushing, you have a should. But when you see the pull, it'll draw you, and you must. I should give. I must give. I should pray. I must pray. Not because of, I have to. No, that's the difference between have to. One's an obligation because you're looking at the fear of not doing it. The other is, if I do it, I get the end result. Because the end result's what's driving me, not the process. Nobody signs up for a professional league or a sports team for just practice. They sign up because they want to play games. What's driving them is the overall big picture of the team, not saying I can practice Monday through Friday two and a half hours a day. That's a must because I'm being pulled to win the league. You can't be just trying to get out of debt. Because then what? You want to build prosperity. So what? We can change your family. Change your next extended family. Change your workplace. Your city. Your church. Everybody I talk to always says this. They say, well, I'd just like to be able to give more. I know. And the only thing, and I'm the same way, the only thing that stands in the way of us being able to give more is not him, it's not the devil, it's us trying to push through. No more pushing. It's time to pull. Y'all following me? Is this making sense? There's a story in the Bible and then I want to get us into some real practical direction, okay? There's a story of the Bible about a, in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David had just become king and had just reunited and brought both of the, um, the, the countries together that he was leading. It was a divided nation. David brought it together. Now David was the hero. David had just settled in the palace. He had just set up a home in Jerusalem. 
He had been warring his whole entire life. He'd been running from Saul. He'd been running from all the other kings. And finally, there was a brief moment in time in David's life, just brief, that David had a time of rest where people weren't fighting, right? There wasn't a battle. There wasn't a war. So David now had to establish. So things had changed to a point in his life where it wasn't about now warring. See, we get so caught up in warring sometimes, we'll forget what we're doing. We're warring against debt. We're warring against health, we're warring against family, we're warring against relationship, we're warring God, we're warring. What are you going to do when the war is over? Can you establish? And can you establish something for longevity, not just the struggle? Because I heard it all, the struggle's real. Then somebody else says the struggle's not real. Then the str- How about we get past the struggle to con- where life is real? Because you're always going to have a struggle somewhere. The question remains is, is it going to pull you into your vision of what you're creating in your heart? What is that thing? Steph said it pregnant for you know, 2018, I think, or somebody said something about pregnant. Ronnie, I think, said something about pregnant for 2018 and what's happening. What is the thing you're carrying? Here's David, anointed, blessed as the king of Israel, and had to go back out in the sheep for years. Then he comes and he fights Goliath, and we think that's going to put him on the, on, on the map. And we think, man, that's an incredible story that David's going to, man, he God, David killed Goliath, and we teach all our kids that story. It's a wonderful story. Then David wars against the kings, and he's running from Saul, and Saul's about to kill him. And Saul, David makes this real good relationship with his, Saul's son, David, or Jonathan, and they make a covenant d- 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 decree and a partnership together. And David said, man, Jonathan, we're brothers. We got a covenant. And as long as I'm alive, I'll always bless your family. And the guy's dad was trying to kill him. So David wars. Saul dies. Jonathan dies. David is now set up in the king, in the palace, in Jerusalem. David comes to himself and he begins to do something different. David began to to do different than Saul did. Saul had a few officers because Saul was always trying to manage just frantically, in fear. But David said, we're going to establish some things. So David put order in Jerusalem, in Israel. David not only had officers, he had servants. And then the servants, there was more officers. Then there was governors. There were people over here that run provinces. And David put structure and order and excellence in place. And after David was sitting here and he began to look out and see all he had, all these people from other nations were bringing David great gifts because they began to see how the kingdom of Israel now was really established. So David looks out and he says, there's one thing that's missing. He said, guys, it's not like it used to be when Saul was king. It's not like when we were warring all the time. David said, I don't know if you all understand this, but this is the greatest opportunity the nation of Israel has ever seen. He said, it's better than coming out of Egypt. It's better than crossing over the Jordan River. He said, this is a time now that I'm set in place. And God has anointed and granted me commission and authority over all of Israel. We brought it together. Yes, we have problems. Yes, we have enemies. Yes, there's people that hate us out there. Yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have internal struggles. But you got to know that we're set here. We're set. And God set me in this place. He said, so all of Israel, he said, guys, listen, you don't understand. We can't live in an established place 
like we did when we were fighting. Because paranoia sets in. Insecurity sets in. You get anxious and worried and concerned out here and you're always afraid the, the bottom's gonna fall out from underneath you and you're always protecting everything. I'm talking about, he says, it's not gonna be that way. He says, there's no limitations now that I've been set here. None. As big as you can see, it is. He looked at me and said, can you dream? Can you see it? Can, what, what is it? Now we're gonna be able to have an unfiltered representation of, 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 of from the father to the whole nation. So he looks around the, the palace and looks around and he says, there's something missing. He said, I made a covenant and a promise to Jonathan. Jonathan was my friend. Jonathan was the son of Saul. He said, is there anybody left that's in the house and from the house of Saul? And the servant, Ziba, I think his name was, stands up and says, there's one. His name is Mephibosheth. He said, Where's, where is Mephibosheth? He said, he lives over in Lodabar. Lodabar? Lodabar? Yeah, a place where there's no pastor. There's no pastor there. There's, it's undefined. It's a place where the misfits are. So we have Jerusalem here, and we've got all these people that live out there that are like outcasts. And in other words, we would call it a ghetto today, or the place that, that is poverty-stricken, and it's where people just don't function well, and they're out here in the bad place, and it's just not good. And we said, what? What are you talking about? He goes, why is he over there? And he goes, well, you don't understand. He goes, when he was five years old, his grandfather and his dad, Jonathan and Saul, were killed in a battle. And David, King David, you were very active in that battle. He said, but the nurse grabbed Mephibosheth and picked him up when he was five and was fleeing the place and running out there as fast as he, she could. And she fell. She dropped him. When she dropped him, both of his feet and ankles were broken and crippled because we couldn't get him medical care. And he grew up and he's been crippled ever since and he can't walk straight and he's there. So he's just kind of reserved back and resolved back to Lodabar, a place that really is for, he probably belongs over there because that, even though he's from Jonathan and Saul and all, I know, you know they didn't end well. Saul didn't end well and you, know, you probably would want him here and David says, wait a minute, go get him. He said to the servant, he said, is there anybody left? In that house? He said, yes, I told you Mephibosheth is over there. He said, then bring him over here. So here comes Mephibosheth, walking into the palace, leaving the place where he's not valued, there's no value. The place where there's, you're just used to just scraping to get by. The place where you're just, you're, 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 there's no value in your life. You're just, here you just manage your dysfunction and you're just, this is the lot you have and this is the, the life you've been dealt and this is the cards you have and you play them the best you can and you're over here doing what you have to do and I'm just putting my time in and having to go until I, I die. But he was able to marry, he, was, he had a kid, he had a son, all of that in Lodabar, but now all, all of a sudden he's summoned to the palace. So they bring him in to front of David and they look at him and they said, David looks and says, so you're Mephibosheth? He said, yes, sir, king I am. And he says, you're from the house of Saul. 
you're Jonathan's son. He said, yes, sir, I am. It's head down, not feeling worthy, not feeling like he belonged. David looked at him and said, I made a covenant with your, your dad. It really isn't about you, but I made a covenant with one that was before you. And your father and I made a covenant and I said I would bless his house for his namesake. And Mephibosheth looks at him and says, and you all know this story, I'm, but I'm a dog. David, you don't understand, king, sir. I, I was raised in Lodabar. You know about Lodabar. It, it's the place, well, they have high unemployment. They have more restrictions and regulations from the government over there. You can't do anything. Welfare rates, I mean, there's drug addiction all over the place. You, you don't understand. It's, it's, it's bad. And I do the best I can in a bad situation, but I've learned to navigate and put in my time while I'm here. So even though there's a lot of people a lot worse off than I am, even though I can't walk, David says, I really don't care about that. You don't understand. It's a new day. It's a new season. I'm just looking for somebody that's left. Preserved. Saved. Set back. But you don't understand. I've got imperfections in my life. I can't even walk. I'm not talking about your imperfections. I'm talking about who you are and whose you belong to. So I want you, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to restore all the land. And the king says, I'm giving you all the land that belonged to your father and your grandfather. He said, man, you're, you're kidding me. You're going to give me all this land. Yeah. In, in other words, Mephibosheth, as far as you can see, belongs to you. Mephibosheth says, but I'm, I'm just a mere dog, my head down. And David said, and this even gets better. I want you to come and sit at the table and eat at my house. But I don't qualify. I didn't say you did. I didn't, I don't, I don't have the, the, the right, I didn't come from the right background. I, I didn't say you did. I, don't, I, I know you've lived over there since you were five, but I know your father and I have a covenant with your dad. So I'm restoring everything that you've lost. I need you, Mephibosheth, to believe it. I need you to establish and sustain what I'm putting in your hands. And the first thing you're gonna to have to do is quit telling me everything that disqualifies you. Because I've already told you what qualifies you. You have lots of disqualifications, but there's one qualification that it overrides every one of your disqualifications. It's I know who your dad is. That gives you the power and the ability and the privilege and the right to come and sit and eat at the table. All of a sudden, it wasn't a push. He had a pull. It wasn't I should, I must. 
it all started to change. David fulfilled an obligation and a covenant that he had, and Mephibosheth benefited. What people don't tell about the story is Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Jonathan and Saul died, but then there was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth had a son, and several thousand years later, there's an apostle that rises up after Jesus had already passed on and resurrected. And his name was Saul of Tarsus, which was from the tribe of Benjamin, the same tribe. Saul came through the loins of Mephibosheth's family. Yeah, the one that was crippled, the one that was dropped at five years old, the one that lived in Lodabar, in the hood, in Huntington, where they had to have the helicopters fly over top to keep peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, let's take it a step further. In West Virginia, which is kind of like the armpit of America, they say, right? Or, or, or let's just in the United States where there's regulations and regulations and regulations and interest rates. I had to go to zero to get people just to stimulate the economy again. And uh, what? Yeah, but listen, something has changed. You can't stay in Lodabar. You have to come out. Because the lid that's been on your head for the last decade or two decades or three decades has been removed. There's nothing that's impossible for you now. You just gotta believe it. And you're gonna have to be intentional. This isn't about praying, hoping, pushing, Praying, hoping, pushing, better fast in the middle of all that. Pray, hope, put. This is about something that's bigger than you that you conceive in the spirit. You begin to see it. You begin to taste it and you begin to tell it and there ain't nobody else around that believes you because you've already failed a hundred times because you came from Lodabar. And they say, you're crazy. It won't work. Are you out of your mind? Are you not? I know. You don't know who my father is. One reason Mephibosheth came to the table, his dad. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So, so here's the deal. You're going to start playing to try to shut me down? Okay. Okay. Tomorrow's January 1st. Easter this year belong, start is on April 1st, on April Fool's. Guess how many days that is? 90. 90 days. This is a resolution. This is a change of life. Amen. You're gonna become a creator today. Yeah, but we only have one creator. He's God. Yeah, but he's your dad. And he's also brought you to the table. But you don't know my background. I don't care. Quit identifying with a loaded bar and start identifying with a palace. 
I don't, but I, I, you, don't, you don't understand. I don't even know that I'm capable. You're not capable. You're not capable. But supernatural things begin to happen when you recognize you're eligible to be at the table because of him. Is there anybody left in Huntington or Ashland or Ironton or West Virginia or Ohio, Kentucky? Is there anybody left that's from the house of the Lord? Yeah, that'll be me. That'll be you. Guess what? That qualifies you. But I've been, you don't understand, I've been through a couple of divorces. I'm just not really good with relationships. Who asked you about that? I just ask if you're left from the house of the Lord. But you don't understand, I've lost everything I can. I don't know what how to do it. I don't even know how to manage my money very well. I don't even know how to, I didn't ask you how many times you've been bankrupt. I just asked what house of the Lord you're from. But you don't understand, man, my health is so bad. I'm on so many medications, my back hurts. I know all of that. My God, I know all of that. All I know is this, are you left in the house of the Lord? You're gonna find there's three areas of your life that spend most of your time praying about, causing you the most pleasure and causing you the most pain. I told you it's money, finances, economics, relationships with people, and your health, your body. When's the last time you prayed about anything else? Honestly, other than one of those three things or all three of those things. So what we're gonna do is engage the first 90. I'm not asking you to do a whole year. I'm not asking you to do a New Year's resolution and start over and carry the torch. Uh, I'm asking you if you're from the house of the Lord. I'm inviting you to the table. I'm inviting you to eat. If you don't understand, my kids are not saved. Come to the table. If you see yourself at the table, supernatural things begin to happen in your life that you can't explain. He begins to draw things to you. See, some of the solutions you've been praying for, the how-to is not you. The how-to is him. Your job is to see the pull and not try to push. Your job is not to say I should so I can detach myself from it. Your job is to say I must so it can be attached to myself. Your must is attached to your pull. The vision has got to be bigger. What are you going to create? We've got two ways. We're going to give It'd be wrong for me to tell you a great sermon and a great motivational speak, speech and not let you leave with a playbook. I think we printed 50 or 60 of these. It's called the first 90. Look at this. There's 90 blank pages. You want instruction? Create some. I'm not giving you step one, step two, step three, step four. I'm giving you a playbook to go create your own playbook. Break it down in three categories if you want. That's what I'm doing. Economics, relationships, and health. Don't write down what you should do. Write down what you must. For all you high-tech people, we have an app. It's free. It's in the, whether it's you're a droid or you're an Apple phone, iPhone user, it's called Productive. 
by Habit Tracker. We're gonna, over the next 90 days, we've created a, a closed Facebook group and a text group. If you wanna sign up out front, you can. Would you receive a, a notification or we'll invite you to the face group and let you just keep you posted on things that are happening, okay? It's called Productive by Habit Tracker. Now, before you all get mad at me, there's a tithe and offering envelope. I'd be wrong to back away from this. Is that okay? If that offends you, I'm so thankful because you gotta get free from it, okay? This is your tithe. It's your offering, it's missions, children, whatever the Lord plays on your heart to do this. We do three, we're gonna do, we're gonna offer three offerings a week or a month here, okay? Three. Now, you can get mad if you want to, but I went, before I came down here, I checked with every bank in this city, and the, 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 the fewest checking accounts offered by a bank is four. Some banks offer six and seven different types, types of checking accounts. We're offering you three ways to invest. So you can't get mad at me without getting mad at Chase Bank. Okay? I wanna get you in. The second one is, which came to me by somebody in our church. It's called the offering of first fruit. Ernie Stewart came to me and said, man, because I really believe I've got off. First fruit offering is once a month, the first Sunday of each month, it's a yellow offering envelope. What it is, it's your, any additional income stream that you get that you wanna sow into the Lord. It's called the first fruit. Now here it is, it's in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter three says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We wrote, somebody wrote a song about it, we sing it, right? But the verse doesn't stop there. It says, honor the Lord with your substance, your capital, and your first fruit into your storehouse. So your barns will be plenty, your wines, your, hat, your vats, will, vats will be full of wine and you'll have plenty, there it is. You'll have all this stuff, right? And the last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna lead the way as a church. When we built this building, we borrowed enough money to buy it, but we didn't borrow enough money to build it. We just did it on short-term things, the best we could do to get by. And what it cost us to do it was 620,000. It cost us over a million dollars to do it, but what we actually financed short-term is $620,000. So we're gonna start a capital campaign. I'd like to have $620,000 paid off by April 1st and Easter. That's a lot of money. We're pulling, we're not pushing. Why are we doing that? We got a city to save. We got your kids to be saved. Your grandkids need to have be saved. We gotta start outreaches. And I'll be doggone, is that a word? I'll be doggone if interest rates go up three more times next year and we give interest to a system and it can't go to ministry. Right? That's our goal. We're gonna keep it in front of you. If you don't feel led to give, don't give. But those that feel obligated to say, not obligated because you feel obligated, I'm not obligated in your heart because you're being pulled to it, then I want you to be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. We're not gonna push. So there's, that's the three ways we're gonna do it.
It'll be available every week. We'll keep it in front of you. And we'll tell you as the 620,000 goes down and we retire that debt, we'll have a, a big party and we'll, like Ronnie was talking about, celebrate some way, right? But the goal is not just to get rid of the debt. The goal is to take the money that goes towards the interest and towards the debt to start helping people with clothing and food pantries and outreaches, blessing boxes, recovery centers and recovery ministries. And can I take it a step further? Vocation schools. Trade centers. Missionaries. Education. Now, this is our time. It's your time. I've never been more serious than I've ever been in my life right now. And this is so un uncharacteristic of me to be up here to do this. I promise you it is. So uncharacteristic. But we got a mandate. We have to have the presence of the Lord permeating everything that we do. The presence of the Lord. And we've, 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 we've abdicated our responsibility. We put it on him. When in reality... He's looking at us going, I need you to create. I need you to recreate and procreate. And I put things in place for you to live. I put things in place for you to dwell. I put tools. I've given you keys on giving. I've given you keys on health. I've given you keys on relationship. I've given you keys on finances. I've given you those keys. I don't need you pushing through them like you're laboring and worrying and fretting. And, but I need you to see the big picture. And the big picture isn't something that he just created. He wants to co-create it with you. What is your thing? What is your ultrasound gonna look like that you and God created together? I'd like to put it up on the big screen in 3 and, three and 4D and show it. Say, look at it. Looks like him and it's got your nose. It, it's got yours and it's got, oh, this is it. This is what you have prayed for. This is what you've come to. There'll be people that'll be naysayers and negative and all, but we can't, we don't have time to look at that. Why? Because we're going here. Lodabar will drag you back to Lodabar. But the palace, you don't think Mephibosheth's buddies that he hung out with looked at him and said, who do you think you are? Man, you're awful arrogant now. You become cocky now that you're in that building. What building? The palace. I, look, I, 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 don't make excuses. It's not your qualifications that got you there. It's his qualifications that got you there. Go ahead. Wounded and forsaken I was shattered by the fall Broken and forgotten Feeling lost and all alone Summoned by the king Into the master's courts And lifted by the savior and cradled in his arms 
starting a new year, we're changing the course of life. That'll way go beyond the 2018. You're going to create like you've never created before. You are. Things are going to start coming to you that you've been praying for that you had no idea how to, you've strived to get them and God is going to all of a sudden supernaturally bring things to you. It's just, it's just going to be odd because you're going to go, that's just the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. You're gonna trade your pull, you trade your push for your pull. You're gonna trade your shoulds for a must. Here's what's gonna happen. <coughs> There's a new plane, a new domain, a new dimension of life that will be unrecognizable at first, but it'll be good for your, for your soul. You'll be able to breathe there because you can't breathe where you are now. Your place of breath of fresh air. 
And we're entering into a season of acceleration. What used to take 10 years will probably take a year, maybe even six months. You're gonna need to learn a new communication. Because back when Daniel was in the scripture, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he looked at Daniel and the guys, and he said, man, these guys are smart, they're skilled, and they speak differently. There's something about them. Your communication is gonna change. You're not gonna be pleading and begging with God. That's when you push. But when you're pulling, you're actually just petitioning God and reminding God in agreement with God of what he has already placed in your heart. We're not wrestling him. You've been invited to the table. And when you're feeling low and blows hit you and the rug gets pulled out, there's gonna be days you're gonna cry. There's gonna be days you're gonna be sad. There's gonna be days you're gonna be angry. There's gonna be days that people are gonna talk about you. There's gonna be days that people celebrate you, high five you, love you on one hand, stab you in the back on the other hand. All that's gonna happen. And you know what? That will not move us because we're still gonna be seated at the table. We're still gonna create. We're still gonna pull and we're still gonna must. Things are changing. Whether you know it or not, it's changing. It's moving a whole new climate, a new way of life. Would you stand with me for a moment? I'm gonna close, but you need to know. He left you in this region so he could bring you to the table and be the solution for the issues that are all around us. It's gonna be three areas. It's gonna be your money, financial, well-being, your wealth, prosperity, it's gonna be that. It's gonna be your health or your body. It's gonna be your relationships. Whether it be your kids, whether it be your siblings, whether it be, that's the three areas. And I want you to attack those three areas with pools and musts. Not a New Year's resolution. That's what, here's what happened. Write it down, make it plain. Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it plain. Whoever reads it can run with it. It's a vision, like Kenyon was talking about this morning. God, was so good, great. How it takes on a whole validity, a life of its own. I gotta know, before we walk out of here and we start a brand new year, are you ready for this? I'm not, it's like, it's like a motivational talk. I don't have a, a big hoop here that we're gonna run out here. I'm just telling, are you really ready to engage in culture and life and relationship? There's dimensions of him that he is so desiring to show us. Oh gosh, they're coming. Visitations, they're coming. Acceleration, new language, new communication. Here we are, here we go. No resolution, but we have a resolve to create. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Lodabar to you and we say, we're packing our bags, we're leaving it behind, the place where there's no pasture, the place that's empty, the place that there's vagabonds and wanderers and journeyers, and we're leaving that place, God, and we're accepting your invitation to the table. We sit at the table and Mephibosheth's ankles were broken and crippled, and, but you couldn't see him but from the waist up because he sat at the table. 
So God, we choose not to look at all of our insufficiencies and our inadequacies and all the things that, are, that, 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 are, that, that disqualify us. We know there's only one reason we're at the table, and that's because of you. So we thank you for the invitation. We thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the bread that's at the table because you are the bread of life, the manna from heaven. We thank you for serving that bread to us, inviting us to eat of that bread, and giving us all the things that we need to make this life sustainable. God, we repent and turn from all the ways of starting and stopping and trying to push our way through. And the first little resistance we get, we shut down and quit. God, if we get resistance and, and then we don't feel like it for a couple of days, we're not going to just wait till next year to start all over again. We're going to start immediately the moment we get that conviction back in our heart. Now, God, move your people to create, to recreate and procreate and to start something that this world is waiting for them to see. God, we thank you and we bless you and we impart into this people a new dimension of life, a new way of seeing, a new way of hearing, a new way of being, a new way of doing life and living life and relating to life. And we say, God, pour out your blessing upon your people and allow us to see you for who you really are. We remind you of our covenant we have with you through Christ. You made a covenant with yourself and you've invited us to the table. We accept the seat and we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity and we bless your people and we bless your name in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Happy New Year.